Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the founder of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing artists and creatives working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Uh, Are both of you guys? uh you know uh what's the saying down under down under that's right yes yeah both you guys there careful who you say that to ryan okay (laughs) good (laughs) and mate we're both down under we're actually both in the same city in australia in south australia now which is um yeah usually we're you know you know further as parts of the world from each other but um yeah, we've, we actually find ourselves in Adelaide uh, in the same city, which is kind of, it's kind of nice. Yeah. What is it about Adelaide? You know, it was CG Talk or CG Society was there. And yeah, so actually, much. Kirst, did, you, did you remember, did you, did you remember Kirsty Parker? Uh, who? Kirsty Parkin. Did you ever meet her from CG Society? She organized no. all the uh, workshop classes and all the rest of it. No, I knew them before they even did the workshops. Oh, even like it was just CG Talk, right? And CG oh, wow. Society. Actually, I don't yeah, think it was just CG. A weird coincidence, right? Really? Like we were, we were even surprised as well. And to be honest, this is not a place I ever thought I would be. But um, yeah, having been on the east coast of Australia, like Sydney, and it, it was just a great different city to be in that just was actually livable and not so crazy and expensive and chaotic. And it was just like... It's ended up being a, a really cool move. What's it? What's it like? Like, is it? A, is it a beach town? Is it? It it kind of yeah, is. It's just a small city. Like, it's it's a small city. You're surrounded by what we call mountains, not kind of what you guys have as mountains. We have got mountains like yeah. hills, <laughs> and then you got beaches, Bumps. and then you just got either end. You've got vineyards and you know just coastline. Like, it's just it's it's awesome. Everything's really close and easy to get to, and. Just it's a really livable place. It's cool. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's actually been voted as one of the, the the best places to live in the world. Like it's in the top whatever, 10, or, or 20 or whatever it is, but it's always been ranked up there. But um, yeah, like Mac, you know, when you've lived in big cities, like lived in London and, you know, LA for a bit and Toronto and Sydney, you know, when you've got a young family, there's a lot of noise going on with that. And just a mm. lot of, you know, just, just, it's just a lot of pressure all the time, you know, and it's just, and I think I remember talking to Macker about it because he was in Singapore and I said, and he said, oh, you know, what, what, what's so great about Adelaide? And I just, you know, I just remember, I just said to him, like, it's, it's calm, you know, it takes away, there's a lot of noise that is taken away, you know, mm. you don't even realize those little daily paying road, road tolls and traffic and all, on drugs, all the rest man. of it right like, like you the, can go to, you can go to the beach here and play. i've ever heard <laughs> yeah. i didn't believe it i said like, yeah whatever okay man i'm li- living in this like future metropolis here in the middle of asia this is freaking awesome what's this adelaide stupid place but uh yeah you, <laughs> you, you get in and you soak it up and it's it's great yeah and you're in singapore yeah no, I was in Singapore. Yeah. That's when he was trying to convince me to, to come here. And I was, there's a, in Australia, it's sort of, you've got the East Coast of like, you know, you've got this sort of mainly sort of Sydney and Melbourne. They're the sort of the bigger ones. And they're all like, hey, we're awesome. And I'm from Sydney. Hmm. And Adelaide's like this kind of smaller little part of Australia that no one really knows about or goes to or cares about. Yeah. 
And then so you have that attitude of like, oh yeah, whatever, Adelaide, what a little hole or whatever. And you get here and you're like, hey, this is actually really cool. Really cool. Yeah, and, and the other thing that happened was that there was a really big push to get visual effects companies here, right? So there's always rising sun pictures. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, mm -hmm. but they were sort of based here in Adelaide and they yeah. sort of were the major one. And then the state government, um, you know, offered these tax incentives and all the, like, like we've seen in other parts of the world. And all of a sudden there was like, um, you know, MPC came and then, you know, some, some other stuff has happened with gaming studios and, and now it's kind of turned into, you know, a bit of a hub and it, they're, they're really supportive of innovation startup. They're really trying to, you know, put a stake in the ground as being the state for, you know, for innovation and that. So there's a big, really big space program here and wow. cyber security and all the rest of it. And because property and rent is cheap, it's, be, it's also, you know, it becomes attractive to a lot of people that are, you know, in that sort of startup community. Hmm. Um, so that was the other thing that happened was the, the big VFX studio sort of turned up and then, you know, people wanted to come back from overseas. I'd been in London at MPC and they're like, oh, maybe there's an opportunity to come back to Adelaide and, um, ILM were talking about possibly opening up here before they actually went to Sydney. So there was a lot of, lot of good stuff happening in, in, in the VFX side of things as well. Hmm. Man, that's like Austin, except for now Austin yes. is super busy. Yeah. Uh, do you surf? Is, yeah, I yeah. think you surf, yeah. Yeah, I, I surf. I mean, I don't know. Do you, Mac, you, you've gotten on a board a few times, right? You do more wakeboarding uh, and sort of, was, yeah. Yeah, wakeboarding. Yeah. Long, long so, board, short board, which one? Alwyn? I do both depending on the size of the wave. So, yeah, I've just, the last few years has been really about getting my kids into it, you know. So, yeah. it's, you know, you sort of sacrifice your own surfing just to, to try and get them up and running but um yeah the little guys he's 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 got a low center of gravity so he's picked it up pretty quickly um yeah so he's, he does he's make actually, it look super easy he just gets he thinks up he's like easy. kelly slater yeah. now you know <laughs> but uh yeah uh, it's, it's, it's that it's that lifestyle as well ryan you know when you've got a family you're just looking for that balance and that, that's what adelaide offers is you know, you can, you can rock up to the main beach here and get a park right out front, you know, and you're not having yeah. to pay for it. It's just little things that you're like, oh, this is so good. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you guys, you guys made that life choice before COVID, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I've been, been in there? Adelaide for five, five, six, five years, five years yeah, now. So yeah, years. before COVID. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, so many of us started to make that choice. You know, I was in I was in L.A., then I moved to Orange County, Laguna Beach, and then Austin was just like it was totally different. Oh, so you in Austin, Texas now? Yeah, we're in Austin. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's beautiful here. The The vibe is different. Everybody you talk to your neighbors like I know all my neighbors. I didn't know any. I knew like one neighbor in California. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's crazy. really good point right that kind of sums it up that's that's yeah. here as well yeah like yeah. i've never known neighbors before really other than you know a random little wave or whatever but properly having conversations and actually you know <laughs> being neighborly it's like yeah. random <laughs> yeah cup that's of sugar cool. yeah you know. yeah that, that was the thing the neighbor turned up i think it was the second day after we moved in and i was like I said to Sabrina, my partner, I was like, that's, that's really weird that the neighbor comes knocking at the door to say, you know, because we've been used to big city and, and you're like, oh, hang on a second. What's going on? We better keep <laughs> But Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's community. It's beautiful. You know, and I think that, again, that's what Adelaide offers. And when you've been in big cities for a long time, 
you become sort of, I guess, desensitized to that, you know, because you're just, you're not too sure what's around the corner. So um, yeah, it's been really nice. Yeah. And now you guys, uh, you guys are both like, you're of course, co-founders rookies. Um, and then uh, what, why don't we talk about a little bit also what you do? Cause uh, Alwyn, you've got like, like, it's a, it's a very interesting career for me. And Andrew, I'm not actually like, I looked you up and then I, I can't remember exactly what you're doing now outside of rookies. So maybe we can start with you, Andrew, and tell me like what you're up to. Well, I'm, I'm for the last, what, probably four or so years, I've been full-time rookies. Oh, that um, is amazing. So, yeah. So I kind of, um, I think my last sort of little jump back into the industry was when I was in Singapore. Yeah. Uh, I did, you know, a bit of time there at Industrial Light and Magic, um, had a crack at sort of the CG supervisor role. Um, sort of drank the Kool-Aid and did all that stuff and tried to, you know, jump back in and see what it's all about. But um, to be honest, like Rookies has just been going so well and it's kind of mm. definitely where the passion and the interest has moved. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I've probably done 20 odd films and been, you know, in the industry for a long time. So it was kind of, it's been a great transition for me to, you know, still be able to, I guess, remain relevant in the industry and still make sure I can do what I'm preaching um, by getting yeah. in there and jumping in and out. But um, yeah, the rookies is just where, where my time is right now. Yeah. That's a great point. Staying relevant. I mean, I have to, I have to work really hard. <laughs> it is. It's full on. Like, yeah. I had the full, as I said, when I was in Singapore, my CG super, like it was something that I wasn't keen on doing. Mm -hmm. I sort of done asset supervision and that, sort of that end of the pipeline and um, I was kind of coerced into doing this and like no no this is what we need this is the role we need for this show and this will be it and my god was that a you know curveball and trying to you know scramble to you know really keep up and you know make sure I was actually doing the job correctly and that it's after that like that was the last time I wanted to do a CG super role it was just too much of a crazy technical you know, I definitely feel like I've got the technical side, but I'm more of a creative at heart and that's where the passion is and, you know, fighting, fighting all this stuff in, um, in a big company as a CG suit, man, that was a, that was a roller coaster. I tell you, I held on for that and um, came out the other end and had a wicked time at ILM. As I said, that drank the Kool-Aid, it was great, but um, came back to this and I was like, man, this is just, there's so much going on at the Rookies and it's just, it's the perfect balance for me right now. Yeah. Is it uh, tough being a creative and running the business? Um, yeah, you definitely get pulled away from a lot of the stuff you want to do. And I yeah. think for a lot, of, a lot of my stuff, like in this, in this sort of building this business together with Alan, we've kind of found our, our roles and I've sort of, I've sort of definitely handled a lot of the design and the technology side of things. Like I've become a pseudo friggin' web developer. So it's like <laughs> something I never thought that would be me and but it's it's you know there's definitely that interest there and there's definitely the creative sort of director side of things and you know I love it but yeah being having to handle all the other stuff like you know as I'm sure you know there's all the other parts of the business that you kind of don't want to deal with but mm. we're sort of at that point that we're able to start handing those sort of you know finance things or whether it's the social media or whether it's the marketing handing those things off so you can kind of do what you do well yeah. but then you know there's 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 the other parts of it so yeah i think the um it's just a matter for i guess both of us and i, I think just specifically me to make sure i'm doing the creative stuff myself outside of this just to make sure i'm getting getting my fix and you know 
yeah, staying sane. Yeah, that outside work, right? You got to be doing something yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Alwyn, you're yeah. not, you're at Adobe still, yeah? I am, yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an interesting story with that. So, with the with the um algorithmic acquisition, you know, that Adobe made, I was sort of doing some work with cuz Algorithmic were a sponsor of the rookies for, you know, for a number of years, so I, I actually got to know the team very very well. Ah. Um, so I was doing a little bit of work for them already, you know, you know, when I was out sort of promoting the rookies and being a tech stratist, it was just kind of a bit of a, a natural, um, I guess, talk or, you know, when I was talking to schools about substance back then. So when the Adobe acquisition happened, um, I sort of ended up by default as the guy in this region that was, you know, that new substance. Mm. So, um, yeah, and then just, I, you know, with, with the Adobe thing, you know, I just obviously the guys knew about uh, the rookies and, you know, I, I, you know, signed a, got them to do a special contract to say that I could work on the rookies as, as well as work at uh, Adobe at the same time. So for me, it's a really interesting, um, I guess, position because I get to see the Adobe through the Adobe lens on a global landscape of what's happening in 3D. And it's very, very yeah. interesting because it's very relevant to where the rookies and what our demographic and you know what our even our categories are for the for the rookie awards so i use you know i use adobe as a as a platform um or i guess as a as a company to be able to to be able to access a lot more resources and um i guess uh you know schools and all these other things that i potentially wouldn't get through the rookies that helps mm -hmm. uh, helps us as well and, and vice versa you know the stuff that we do through the rookies also, you know, we promote, you know, the substance tools and stuff like that. So it's kind of, and more, and more so around education. So my role currently is, is you know, 3D business development, um, but I'm, I'm transitioning into a global um, lead for education and 3D. So really, and, and this is a lot of the stuff that we talk about, even with the rookies, is about awareness and, and what these new sort of hybrid jobs in 3D are going to be and how that landscape is constantly changing, not just in visual effects and games, but, you know, in, in fashion and architecture, visualization, product design, all these new industries that are adopting 3D. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually very, very interesting and in seeing that and, and actually looking at education and realizing that, you know, they're not keeping up with, with, um, with these new trends that are happening and companies are screaming out for, for students that have this skill set, um, you know, so you can, you can imagine a traditional uh, student that studies fashion that now needs to know clothes 3D or substance and, and coming from a gaming and these these worlds colliding and finding that skill set that is able to have the technical as well as the creative right so yeah the, all the it's not only hybrid jobs but it's like new courses and curriculum that has to now support these industries um, and you know it's the, that's part of what I'm doing is kind of like getting out there and talking to schools and going hey you know, fashion faculty, you need to be speaking to the, the VFX guys and actually doing some collaboration with projects because these are the types of jobs that are now on the on the scene, right? So, hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, and obviously I spend a lot of my time, you know, rookies-wise is, is, you know, talking to the sponsors and, and um, you know, getting, getting, you know, new partnerships set up, you know, with some of those interesting, I guess, uh, you know, um, you know industries that are that are now looking at it and how how we can put a 
how we can put a spotlight on that to help them as well. And even, you know, make a, a, an awareness to students about these new jobs as well. Yeah. What are the big new jobs you see coming in? Um, and I know Unreal Engine is a big one. Um, and fashion has, of course, been on my mind. But um, we had a student. Uh, this must have been five years ago, though. We had a student that went through a boot camp and, um, and got a job at eSprint. Esprit, Esprit, oh, I forget yeah. what it is. He got a job there, and he was part of their 3D division. And they closed down the division and told him, look, if we're going to keep doing this with you, we would have to lay off all of these seamstresses. Like we would change our pipeline. And, and it was like it was a it was the way he described it, it would have been bloodshed in the industry if they went full digital. Yeah, so it, 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 it's, it's really, it has to come from the top down, like it needs to be manage, management change. And, mm. and the, you know, the, the idea of adopting a 3D pipeline is really about upskilling the creative team that's currently there. So you wouldn't be looking at bloodshed in terms of layoffs. It's like, but, that, but this is part of, the, part of the education issue right now mm. is that, okay, you've got this creative team that have been doing Photoshop and Illustrator for 20, 30 years and now we're asking them to understand 3D. So you know the whole the whole the whole process with you know and uh, you know the, with Adobe getting into 3D is really to democratize it and put it back into the hands of the creative, so that people get familiar with it, like Photoshop and Illustrator, and you know and actually make it simple and and take away all those friction points, whether it's retopologizing or auto UVing or whatever it may, all those rendering all those technical mm. issues that we know from our experience have always been friction points throughout that pipeline so they're looking at each of those areas and going okay cool we just want to take this asset this concept be able to do a model move it into this and just seamlessly move between the various programs um, to have a, you know a, a, a really you know good experience right so I think when when you look at the new jobs, yeah, I mean, definitely fashion is is it's it's about sustainability as well. And I don't know if you know much about you know the fashion industry and and how much sample wastage goes on and their green footprint and carbon footprint that they leave just in, in around one garment a year. It, it's staggering the the stats when you look at that industry. So there's there's much more going on rather than just optimizing a workflow. But you know that's part of it. Um, so it's very interesting to see that. Um, and then, you know, you're looking at product. Again, it's always, it's about digitization. So you're thinking, you know, we always use that example of Ikea, for example, that magazine, 80, 85% of it is digital, you know, 3D assembly. You know, it's not traditional photography. Yeah. So next time you're in the Ikea, check the magazine out, right? That's, that's, they've got full pipelines, but they're able to then quickly, um, you know, create scenes, you know, whether it's bedroom or bar, whatever it is, but it's not, it's not, employing a team of people to come on do traditional photography and they're able to quickly uh, iterate and and make changes can you imagine the team that would have to assemble ikea furniture to be photographed like well, it, i mean they're the, that's they, why they're right the and there's another example leaders, right yeah, yeah. They, they they came out and did this before people even realized what was going on they, they saw this and you know, I think, you know, this is a couple of years back, even the amount of digital work with, that was in their, you know, their magazines. It's just like, it's like they just snuck in under the radar and just tricked everyone. And then we're just like 10 steps ahead of every company. And now every big company is trying to figure out, oh my God, how do we do this? And wow, this is, you know, saving us a heap of money. 
And, and can uh, you imagine like the job application though? Like come bang your head against a wall, deal with instructions all day long, lose parts and assemble <laughs> something for us so we can photograph it. Like that's the, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, I think maybe they had a need that made them build that department. You know? Yeah. They ran out yeah. of warehouse space to, to have all the studios <laughs> set up. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, so, but you know, yeah. it's, a, it's about it's about awareness for students that they don't, you know, and that's when, I, you know, when I talk to schools, it's like, hey, you know, visual effects and games, it's, it's, you know, it's very, it's, 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 there's a, you know, there's, it's, the, I guess it's the cherry on top when you get into CG, you know, and that, that's where everyone aspires to be the ILM and all the rest of it. But actually, if you take a step back and, you know, like, you know, with all the content, the creation that's coming, not only in new industries and, you know, there's the whole metaverse and all that stuff that's going on as well, but that's, you know, streaming TV, all these various uh, verticals that are now demanding, you know, new 3D content. The opportunities for students right now is just extraordinary. Yeah. Like it's, this is, this has never been seen before, like in CG history. Right. Yeah. So I always talk to students and go, Hey, I know it's cool, you know, to be working on a game or I, but actually, in some of these other areas, it's much better work environments. The, the companies look after you better with perks and all the rest of it. There's, there's actually just, you know, take a step back and just consider what the skill set that you have before plunging into, you know, something that just, you know, seems very glorified, but is not, you know, might not be what you expect once you get in there. That's true. I mean, another super interesting company that we've been talking to for a while now is actually Lego. And you kind of outside of obviously the films that are outsourced and not done by the manufacturers of Lego, but it's these, they're looking and really actively growing their 3D department for all their product photography or their, I guess, you know, product renders for packaging, all, yeah. all their packaging and, and everything. And it's huge what they are trying to achieve. And it's just such a cool and vibrant company and, you know, got so much cool stuff going on. But once again, as Alan said, it, it's not on the radar of these kids that are sort of going through and learning and they're like, man, I've got to make this game or I've got to be on a Marvel film. And it's like, look over here. Like this is a, an amazing company and doing like the coolest stuff you can imagine with all these kind of Marvels and IPs and all these things that are happening. So you get to touch everything, but it's, it's doing it as a Lego style, which is, you know, mm. so cool. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, I had a, I've had students go to house and still want to yeah. do games and I'm like, why would you leave house like the you the security that you have, you know, working for a you know at that point a startup, but now like a huge company. Yeah. yeah. But still, there's that sexy side. But you know, I'm excited about um, like marketing. Like I, I read about a or somebody friended me on friend on LinkedIn, connected on LinkedIn, um, and they basically are doing LED. They have LED walls in Florida, and they're doing advertising. Um, just running so companies production through. advertising virtual product yeah yeah so now their media um agency does of course you know facebook you know social stuff and it does uh, all that other and then come in and do your campaigns in virtual production and i'm like god oh, man how many game companies are there versus how many advertising agencies out there you're right you know, we know where the jobs are i mean mm. games is great sexy but you're competing like i remember this is before COVID. i remember somebody telling me there's a thousand job applicants for one job yeah yeah crazy yeah 
and that's you know and that you know and that's again looking at those hot you know the top end of games and visual effects yeah you know we we you know we talk to your blizzards and you know riot games and all the rest and we're like oh you know uh, you know, can we help you promote your, your, your you know, your, your, you know, your job positions or whatever? And they're like, <laughs> yeah. we get free, you know, I was talking to Netflix actually, and they were like, we get, you know, 3000 applicants for our, uh, uh, you know, our internships or whatever it is. And I was just like, oh yeah, you, you can't, you know, how do you compete with that? You know, they just, they're so popular, right? But 3000, like who's going through that? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. That would be hardcore. And I remember, you know, like we always tell people um, it's uh, what do we say? There's no um, there's no labor shortage. It's more of like a talent shortage, you know, putting talent yeah. in quotes, you know, you just have to match what somebody considers talent with your skill set, so to speak. Yeah. Um, from your perspective, Ryan, like with the with the students that are coming through the school, like what's the what's the standard like when they're applying to go through Vertex? You know, are you are you are you I mean, what's what's is there good quality from these, you know, where they're coming from? Like from our perspective, you know, we see um, and I think, you know, this is part of like this the certified certified digital artist initiative that we dropped mm-hmm. that, you know, like the standard here in Australia in comparison to like maybe North America is is vastly different from somebody that's got a, a Scott, you know, like a degree or a diploma or whatever it may be. Like, what's the standard like that's coming, you know, that's applying to go to your school? That's a so I struggle with that one like all the time because the flip side of the standard is the people who don't meet your standard. And if you get into education, like, why are you leaving? Why am I leaving people behind? Right. Mm. And, um, and so I struggle with that because uh, in certain elements of accreditation, um, when you want to go in for certain people that'll do uh, certain organiz- organizations that'll do like long-term loans, for example, like, cause we do all our loans internally. Um, we, we bear the burden. Um, but uh, there are companies that'll stretch it out over two years for you, and they'll give you like 85% of tuition up front. But um, they want certain numbers, which means essentially I have to stop serving certain people. And that, like, you know, because I'm a heart centric kind of person on this. Like, I didn't get into, I mean, I don't think you really get into education to make a ton of money. <laughs> so, you know, it's we do well, we have staff, all that. But, um, you know, this is a problem and a question that I try to deal with. And so um, what we try to do is, uh, you know, we try to kind of establish like baseline 3D skills. And we try to look and say like, hey, what's the thing that's going to take you three months? You know, if you don't mind, if you don't know Maya, you haven't played with Maya or you haven't played with Blender, like that's not, it's not going to work. You know, that's like minimum three months of your life just to understand, you know, a three button mouse what do they mean when they say RMB? And you're like, is that, what's, is that the rapper? I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, you know, it's little things like that. Um, but I'm always kind of like, I am always like this hopeful person towards this. So like, for example, I have a student, Magdalena, I was just talking to her like an hour ago. And um, she came in, no experience. And in her second term, at the end of her second term, she, di- she didn't even, it's a, th- with a three-term system. Her third term, she didn't actually do any work. She just did art tests and her mentor walked her through art tests. She's at playground games. Yeah. Her awesome. First job. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's amazing. And she was telling me she's walking through the halls and everybody's like, where were you at before that? And there, and she's like, I, I wasn't, this is my first job. And everybody's just like, what? Like, That's how cool. did that happen? 
you know, and that ultimately, like, that's why I do, you know, this, like, I'm trying to find that short path that does it. So when we come back to standards, raw yeah. talent or just serious hard work or both? It's, I think, because talent is always like, I don't believe in magical DNA. And, you know, I, I do understand Mozart's, you had something, obviously, at six, <laughs> but, you know, something happened. So, okay. Yeah, different from my six-year-old, yeah. Yeah, a little different than mine, too. Um, you know, but his father was a composer, too. So would he have done it if he didn't have a father that was a composer? So I don't know. There's a lot in it. But um, for me, uh, I really try to keep um, everybody focused on this idea of work, you know, and, and we define it as the work. So talent for us is just focusing on the work. And we follow uh, practices uh, of uh, what do they call it? They call it deep work. So there's that great book out. I think it came from um, a deep practice. That's what it is. That's not a Ray Lynch album. It's uh, Daniel Coyle, uh, who wrote this book called Talent Code. And um, in there, he describes this example of, of a young girl practicing violin and how she would play through a piece until she gets to a problem, figure out the problem, start over from the beginning, play all the way through. And every time she encounters a problem, fixes it, starts over, goes again. So she's getting her steps like locked into her body, locked into her mind, and, um, and not carrying any bad habits. And so that kind of deep practice is really core um, to me because that can make somebody look like they have talent in a short period of time. If that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's what I'm always looking for. Like, um, we always the other saying that we have here is uh, that mastery is not magic; it's just process. If you learn the process of the masters, you're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. Which is the amazing thing happening right now, like just access to all these masters, right? Like they're just being able to watch them work is just insane. Like when I think back to when we were getting into this industry, it was like, man, I was at the freaking library trying to find a book, which was the manual to Autodesk and like so pumped that there was some little Noman disc in the corner, but it was always taken out. And, you know, it's like now I can just sit down and just be having dinner and watch like some crazy artists just build something insane and just learn instantly of like, oh my God, I need to go do what they just did. That's, you know, it's just changed. Yeah. It's amazing. I think what's out there and, um, you know, YouTube and everybody's sharing, and then it's actually become an economy because now the teachers are sharing so that they can, gen you know, they can sell a class mm. and, you know, make some side, have a little side hustle. So now it's like, it's just this whole, it's all built up. Yeah. It's, it's this amazing mm. thing, you know, and, mm information is now like free you know yeah for the western world anyways if you're in certain parts of india and depending on you, where you are you, you know it could be expensive but you can get so much for so little here well you think well, all the learning content that's on art station now oh that they God. opened up for free like that's just you know it's almost too much you know what i mean you're like well you know you have to sift through it but you know it's still amazing resource for people trying to get in yeah so that starts to kind of like, if all this information is free, like how do, um, and anybody can learn anything, you know, what are you supposed to learn? And mm. 
what are you supposed to do with this? You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. You know, for me, I focus on jobs, but what do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is, this is, that's a really good point. Macca, I'll let you take this away because this is something that we've been really focused on, you know, with the rookies is, is our playbooks. And, you know, I think I'll let you, I'll let you explain it, Macca. Just you, you go for it, mate. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think it's, it, it's an interesting one. And I think it's something that we've sort of, you know, struggled with trying to figure out how we can help, you know, and it is this sort of overload of learning content and they said everything's free and there's like so much noise and, you know, there's good places you can go if you want to go to university and maybe there aren't good places to go. You know, there's this whole like, what do I do and where should I be going? So that's what we've been trying to figure out for a while now. Mm. And, you know, we've kind of, we're very, um, we're famous for the rookie awards and helping you know, kids down the end of that kind of learning journey. And, you know, they've kind of gone and learned and we help them go get amazing jobs and get them a bit of exposure and show how, you know, amazing they actually are. Um, you know, everyone seems to focus on the professionals, but, you know, as you see the rookies that come through, they're, they're insanely talented and should, you know, they deserve so much more than, you know, they normally get elsewhere. So what we've been trying to do is focus on, well, how do we help the other ones that aren't, ready for industry who have gone through and maybe picked the wrong school don't know what to learn don't know how to get through to that next step and i think that's kind of where we came out and as, as alan touched on we've got down one end we've created this sort of free open resource that is uh, certified digital artists which is trying to finally set a bit of a benchmark for specific jobs in these industries like games animation vfx to basically say hey look these are the most common um, jobs in these industries these are the skills you need to show and it's not about coming out the end of a, a, a degree or a course and saying hey here's my pretty character it's like no, no no you need to show these specific skills if you want to be a, a character artist or whatever it is so we've kind of set that end goal and what we're doing now is we're going back and we've kind of got a a journey at the rookies which has you know a member levels which you start as a debut um, which is basically someone who's like, oh, my God, I'm a hobbyist. Is this for me? I really don't even know how to draw or should I draw or what's a 3D package? Do I need to, you know, trying to figure out that level. That concept there for a debut is to try and build them up to say, do I want to take this seriously or is it just going to be a hobby? And if it is, where do I go from now? So the next level from that is player. And that's, that's the biggest level. That's all about learning. And what we're trying to do there is we don't want to be a school because we work and have a great relationship with all these amazing schools like Vertex School around the world. What we want to be able to do is provide that service to connect the, the members, our debuts, with the best school or schools. So it, it's basically trying to remove the noise that's out there, of like going to ArtStation or going to, you know, YouTube or Coursera and just going, oh, my God, there's like, 100,000 videos I can watch what ones have worked for our members before and why and we try and connect them and go you know what maybe you like member A might want to go to a big university and be like cool that's me I've, I'm you know the university's great I'm going to go that way someone else might be like you know what I'm going to teach myself a bit of YouTube for a bit I'm going to see if that's right I might go to a finishing school I might go do a master class here I might everyone's going to find their own little journey but we're trying to really streamline that and show what's worked for our other members going through and really provide that kind of 
that guidebook um, to actually, you know, remove all that noise and let them move through. And then, you know, we have our other levels, which is contender, which is, hey, I'm kind of, I've, I've got the skills. I'm starting now to figure out about how I actually start networking. What the hell is LinkedIn and how do I really present my demo reel and how do I actually find jobs and what job is right for me? And it, it's kind of just that guidebook to, to move them through to obviously a rookie and, you know, into the industry. So it's, it's a super interesting sort of stage for us right now. Um, you know, we're even going earlier, like right back to, to high school now. It's the same thing. It's just about trying to build excitement for these kids to make them realize like, you know, we've, we've both got young kids that are, you know, about to go into high school. And it's like, we want them excited and knowledgeable about future industries and, and even stuff that we don't even know that's coming. Like what the hell is Unreal going to be doing soon? And what, what, you know, like what, what else is going to be out there? But it's just to make them realize that there are crazy jobs and crazy exciting industries out there for them so we just want to build that excitement and help them on their way through that journey so it's kind of it's changed for us in terms of the rookies and, it, and it's you know super exciting for us because it's you know we're both really passionate about it and got a really cool team behind us and getting a lot of sort of smart advisors on which you know are making us look good and questioning everything we're doing and you know actually speaking to people that are super smart in all these different areas of education metaverse whatever the hell it is like it's it's just yeah it's a super exciting time for us uh, it's great you know there's a job for modeling people falling asleep in a taxi what yeah wow yeah that's a character I'd love to see that job, job. description <laughs> So there's this uh, company, I did a podcast with them, DataGen is their name. They're out of Israel. And they create virtual, they create uh, simulated data for AI. And so you imagine if you got Uber and they, they want to have AI uh, on a camera to, to see when somebody's going to fall asleep. AI needs data, right? So they need a data set. And um, so the traditional process would be you hire actors, and usually what they would do is they would go to Ukraine, Bulgaria, largely you know one ethnicity, and this is one of the things that causes problems with AI, is you know the data set generally tends to be very conformative based on the uh, the market pressures, and um, so these guys, uh, DataGen, they will uh, model thousands of people. And have them doing, you know, different various stages of falling asleep in a in a car. And, wow, yeah. that's the data for the AI. Wow, the data for that's the crazy. AI. And here's the tricky thing, right? Because I was talking to him, and I'm like, uh, you know, I I think I had just re finished reading Peter Thiel's book, I think called uh, One or something like that. I forget it was Zero to One. Oh yeah, I've read that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was so excited, and I was telling my friend, and they're like, "That's a very old book," and I was like, "Well." Yeah new to me Still relevant though <laughs> yeah and in that book man the guy he was saying like every business has a secret mm. and you know it's like google is search but that's not their money their secret is their advertising facebook social secrets the advertising not not that big of a secret anymore um but you know i was looking at it, i was like what is these guys secret what is data gen secret they're basically building like you, you can imagine going into the metaverse and if you have to have you know, people doing all sorts of things in the metaverse, they now have all of that animation data. 
mm-hmm. 10,000 different people falling asleep at a car, walking across the streets. So they've basically created, you know, B-roll. A library, yeah. For all the members. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, is, that all, is that all mocap animation? Like it's actually coming from you or are they, is it just, is it pure, just straight animation? Both. They, they do both. Yeah. yeah. And they wow. just, you know, their goal, because AI needs like it over, needs a hundred thousand pretty much um, simulations. So they do all variations. They hire animators, they hire character guys, they're hiring people for Blender, um, Unreal, TDs. Right. See, yeah, and this is what we're talking about. It's just these roles that, you know, that that just, you know, that are being created based on this CG content creation, right? Yep. And it's coming from all industries, you know. It's just nuts. Yeah. I just had a graduate and he was like, how much should I charge and what industry am I going into? And I'm like, I've been in this industry 20 years. I don't know what industry you're going into, man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to say games, but games ain't games anymore. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's definitely exciting for for students that are learning that skill set. Like that's the thing they'll be able to transcend across multiple industries and, you know, um, those opportunities, yeah, just are, are huge. Like Maka said, we, you know, we were struggling to get into probably like you, Ryan, you know, just back in the day, you get your, your VHS and you, you know, send it out and just cross your fingers and hope, hope for the best. And, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I got lucky actually. My teacher meets, meets Meyer. Oh, he um, meets Meyer. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So he taught me ZBrush and uh, he didn't that want to work. That explains a lot now. <laughs> he he got a job offer at PixLogic. He didn't want it, and he was like, "You know, do you want this?" So I was like, "Yes, yes, I'll take it. Thank you." Because I could. What are your sculpt. thoughts on? What are your thoughts on where ZBrush is going to go now? It's part of uh, Maxon. Well, you know, I barely teach ZBrush now, and um, I've wondered about ZBrush for a long time. You know, I mean, I I know the people there. I like most of them, and. Um, it's just, it's, has it innovated? I'm going to be a little controversial here. I don't know. You know, it, it's a sculpting tool. I use it like daily. Um, but what more, where do you go from here? I think the selling of it was, was very smart and I'm super glad. Yeah. Oversold. Yeah. I'm, a, yeah. I'm I know some people are like, oh, we're going to lose this. We're going to lose that. And I'm like, man, I can't complain. I'm like, I haven't paid like in 10 years. Yeah. There's always an initial freak out by all the users, you know, yeah. but there's, there's always a bigger, smarter play, I believe, you know. Mm. I'm just glad he's gets to have more time with his family, I hope. I mean, that guy, mm. and I was there, worked 60, 70, 80 hours building these features, mm. you know, that they, I mean, they got copied, they changed the world. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, he did change the world. Mm. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, changed my world far out. When I first opened up that, I was just like, I mean, apart from being confused as hell, but, um, you know, once I got through that, I was like, this is mind-blowing. And it just kept on stepping up, just kept on stepping up. And it's kind of the same way that, you know, I think the impact that it had on the industry is exactly what Algorithmic did and is now, you know, the behemoth that it is. It just, it changed everything. Yeah. Algorithmic kind of screwed me up, man. I was like on 
top of the world. I was sculpting in ZBrush. I was painting environments in ZBrush. And this thing came out and it was like, it's totally useless. I, that entire skill set, totally useless. Yeah. But Thanks, you, you know what guys. it did though? Like it, it, it sort of, it was like when Murray came out, right. It sort of, mm. you know, it, it revolutionized 3d texturing and, and, you know, substance painter did exactly the same and it just, it standardized and just helped elim eliminate a lot of, you know, problems when it comes to texturing that just, it was a godsend in some ways, you know, like we, as a, you know, working in the industry and using that program. And I'm not saying that because I work for Adobe, but back, you know, even when I was using it, it was just like to be able to paint something and know that it was paint being painted in the correct P in that PBR workflow and it was going to work in the lighting, you know, lighting conditions. It was just, it, it was a game changer. It just, yeah. It to be creative without mucking around with all the, just the, the, the noise and the, you know, the, the crazy technical stuff that really didn't impact the end result, right? It was just more of a nuisance. Mm. Yeah. yeah I, and, that, and that was the same thing, you know, when Adobe bought Algorithmic, they were like, you know, they're all the, the naysayers, well, they're going to just, you know, just close it down and they're going to not do any, and, you know, it, actually it's it been completely the opposite, right? So they've taken the whole team and gone, hey, cool, well, let's create a new division based on all the old existing Algorithmic and go for it you know, don't change anything, just keep developing, just keep doing what you're doing. And it's like, but, you know, being able to tap into that uh, Adobe, you know, um, I guess Adobe resources to, to, to promote it and make it even better. So, you know, it's, and you can see what's happened with it. It's just become bigger and bigger and better. And I don't know if you've played with Modly yet, Ryan. Uh, I, I'm what? on the beta and I talked to Gio. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Awesome, man. He's doing some ago. great stuff with it. Yeah. And yeah. I'd never, I haven't got into it just because, you know, Time. I don't, yeah, it's, I want to go back and be that beta tester that I remember with ZBrush, but it's just, you know, kids, it's now it's kids or right. that, <laughs> used to be that, but now it's that. Yeah, yeah, I'll play with yeah. this toy now. Yeah, <laughs> so I saw that you can model in designer. Yeah. So, so think of like Houdini procedural modeling. So it's using nodes to be able to uh -huh. essentially model and designer now. So, you know, when you think of long-term being able to, you know, do, if you're doing product or interior design, being able to take a single chair and turning that into a couch through, you know, as we know, like through sliders and, and painter or sampler. So yeah, there's a whole modeling aspect of, of uh, designer now as well. Yeah. The, the 3D the mod the 3d modeler is, is that's come from the, the, you know, Oculus medium technology. So it's that whole sort of very, it's, it's very organic, similar to, to ZBrush in a lot of ways, just being able to, you know, organically sculpt from a, a, a primitive and, you know, but again, it's, it's looking at it and going, not overcomplicating it because you want to put it back into the hands of people that really don't understand 3d to go, okay, well, we need to make the tool set super, super user-friendly um, and, and just with always the intention of being able to like, make sure that it's not being overcomplicated. Right. So I think, you know, they're onto something and it's, you know, the, you know, when you think about creative cloud users and, you know, being able to tap into that market as, as sort of first time 3d users, you know, it's, it's kind of exciting for them, but, um, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty fascinating. I thought, you know, the technology going and, um, and the node based you know yeah um a andrew have you you ever played with houdini a little bit yeah definitely sort of um you know on a few projects 
did a bit of everything in it and it kind of it was one of those ones that I think on the shows that I was on it was always something I wanted to fight for more yeah but I think you know I was at the companies that were really locked in and it was something that I just had to play with on the side so I never really got a huge amount of production experience with that side of thing of the and especially the sort of asset side of things with the you know Houdini but um yeah that that you know it's a beautiful bit of software yeah, I like to send my ZBrush complainers to Houdini and wait. <laughs> and see, see what they can actually build. <laughs> it's just like sit there and like, all right, go for it. <laughs> then come back yeah. to me and talk to me about ZBrush. All right. So let's, yeah. uh, let's um, I don't want to take up too much of your guys' time. And both of you um, are uh, like you have been so devoted to education and to empowering um, students. Uh, and, you know, seeing students on such a, um, on a level, I, I don't think a lot of people have, like, this is just amazing to talk to you guys and, and, um, and start to get some idea of this. So um, if you don't mind, I'd like to just now dive in and talk a little bit about like, what make, what's a good student? What do students need to be doing? What are you seeing out there that's helping people, hurting people, mistakes that they're making? Um, and then, um, and then we can wrap up. But I mean, I think uh, what would really help right off the bat is like what are the common mistakes that you're seeing because you're looking at universities and you're looking at universities through the lens of helping students so what are the mistakes that students are making you know that you think they should probably be rethinking and doing different and that's a that's a big question i was going to say have you got are you recording for another hour i know (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) i think look i think one of the the biggest things that i see is that um, you know, especially out of universities, like a lot of these students are, you know, going through, they're doing the curriculum and, you know, if they come out the other end, they maybe do a major project and then it's like, cool, it, where's my job? Like, am I ready? Like, it, here it is. I think they're not really aligning themselves with a job. They're just kind of probably still a little bit confused about, man, there's so many opportunities. Do I specialise? Do I not specialise? what do I do to try and make myself, you know, employable? But I think there's a lot of them are very reliant still on that piece of paper. And I think they're just expecting because they were, you know, at a university or at a school that is so well connected and and networked up with other studios that they're just not putting their spin on things. They're not leveling up and putting in that extra work to go beyond, you know, whether it is just the tutorials or, you know, just that simple project. They're not, going that next level they're just sort of you know I think they're possibly so overwhelmed with obviously everything they've got to learn and they're ticking all the boxes which is great and it has to be done and that's why they're getting their certificate or diploma or degree or whatever it is but I just think that there's that little next step and it's you know even even for us with why we created the rookie awards it was kind of that let's you know apart from a friendly competition but it's really interesting to see the different type of people that enter and we always preach it as show us in one page what you're going to show someone to try and get a job sell us your skills and some people come on and they just go here's an image and I go I made this in in Blender and Maya and whatever and then others this stunning page that breaks down their understanding of you know whether it is lighting compositing whatever it is this is the job I'm after and this is the information it's just they're the people that are just putting they're they're, they're reading what the brief is they're paying attention and just taking things that that extra level yeah Mm. I think it's on there one of our previous discussions Ryan you know you you 
you mentioned that it always stuck with me was, you know, you know, your North Star, right? And, you know, people, students don't have that, don't necessarily have that North Star of where they want to get to. And, and then once you've got that, how to reverse engineer that to kind of get there and make sure that whatever your portfolio is, it's tailored towards that studio, right? Your North Star. Yeah. That always resonated with me. I think, unfortunately, you know, a lot of when we look at the entries for rookie awards, you know, a lot of students are making the same mistakes that we made like 15, 20 years ago, you know, basic sort of stuff and adding, adding, you know, that extra project, which, you know, you kind of leave that question. Did you actually think that was a good project? You know, if you just kept it to those two or three, you know, you would have nailed it. You, you left me wanting to see more, but you added that additional one because you felt like you had to make it two minutes or three minutes or whatever it was, you know, just, just basic stuff. And I think, I think today, you know, Mac has sort of alluded to it there is, is this generation is, you know, that they're, they're, they're um, I guess their uh, expectations or their, um, uh, you know, they, they, they're, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not expectation, but they're, I think, yeah, like they just, they think once they've finished something, that's like, where's my job now? You know, like, <laughs> with, yeah. you know, like I've done it, I've paid, the, you know, in some ways, you know, they've paid the money and they've done the course. So it, it feels like, you know, there, there should be some sort of reward after it, but it, that's not the way life works, right? You have to put the effort in, you have to make sure you stand out from the rest of the, the pack and, and so forth. But um, yeah, students, you know, I think they're just, you know, again, even in the in the interviewing process and in the, you know, those, you know, it, they're letting themselves down, you know, the, the portfolio is really just the first step of getting in. And it's like, there's a whole nother side of things. Like once you've got that interview organized, it's like, how are you presenting yourself? How are you, you know, going in there, making sure that you're really uh, asking, you know, relevant questions and just being educated in this company. There's there's a whole other area that, you know, that sometimes gets overlooked. The, 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 the portfolio is really just your first step in. It's not ever going to guarantee you that job. And I think students kind of overlook that a little bit. Um, and, you know, knowing when to talk and, and sort of take that feedback on. And there's, there's, it's a real skill, even in that interview process, right? And I think, um, we just, I think people, students are so focused on just getting that ultimate portfolio that a lot of this other st stuff gets overlooked as well. You know, just dressing correctly, making sure you're asking the right question. There's, there's that sort of confidence, but, but without being cocky, you know, there's, it's a real fine line, right? So mm. there's, you know, a lot of those mistakes are still being made. And I think recruiters more so now, like we talk to them every day, nearly, you know, recruiters around the world, like, and it's more about it's more about how kids are communicating and how they're able to work in teams. You know, the portfolio is, is a, you know, again is a small percentage of it, but they're more more focused on how this person is going to be working in their environment and as a team player than the actual portfolio itself. And I think that's yeah. that's the big thing to me as well. Is one thing that is a real pet peeve for me is where someone will just come out and, you know, part of their portfolio, they'll have a bunch of random projects, whether it's a random character, environment, prop, whatever it is, or, you know, compositing or whatever. They're not working to a brief. They're literally just free for all, hey, I just created this. It's like, okay, how long did it take? Was there a time constraint? Was it to meet a brief? Who was, you know, I think there's such a missing element and I don't mind people doing that. That's part of exploration. That's part of 
figuring out you as an artist just to get in and start creating something cool. That, that's great to share, but it shouldn't be the majority of your portfolio. That should be, hey, I did some other cool things. Like it was just, this is what I did. It's pretty cool. Oh, there's some nice elements in there. Wicked. That's great. We can work with that. But for me, one of the most important things these students can do is actually meet a brief, set a brief. Even if they have to make it up themselves, if they can't get a brief from obviously, you know, some crazy art director or whatever it is, but it's to work to a time constraint and a brief to go, this was my goal and this is where I got and this is why I went through these steps to try and get there. And to even say, you know what, it's not where I want it to be, but this is where I got and this is what I've improved if there was more time. Um, and to just realise that maybe try and get that brief where someone you are artistically or technically trying to meet something, but someone might change their, their minds to be able to adapt to that and work towards, you know, someone else's vision and mm. to make your sort of component element fit in to something else. And that's why team-based projects are great. But, you know, even if you can't access a team, even if you can't access a brief, make one up, like literally just make one up and say, hey, this is a, you know, a film, they needed this thing done or a character or a prop or whatever it is, just make it up and go, I met that style. I met that time frame, And, you know, I think that's a, that's a great thing that, you know, students can be doing that I don't see too often. Mm. You know, that makes me think about one of the things I think is really uh, powerful about the rookies. Um, and it's that, uh, it's this quote from uh, Roosevelt. What is it? I was looking it up here. Theodore Roosevelt, the man in the arena. Are you guys familiar with that quote? No, no. So it's a. Uh, I don't know if I want to. Look good with your quotes and books. I've got. I've got to level up. <laughs> my my art my degree, I you know whatever degree I have, is uh is in creative writing of all things. Oh wow. Yeah. And hey, that so, explains a lot too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can find this, but the man in the arena. Ah, he says it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does not actually strive to do the deeds, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, devotion. And, uh, and then it goes on to say that, uh, yeah, it, it'll, it just goes on from there, but the big element is the man in the arena, right? Mm. And I encounter uh, with students, I encounter students that are in the library not the arena mm. and they're just learning they're, well, they, they're like learning they're not doing yeah, yeah. yeah and the rookies of what's brilliant about what you guys did is you created literally the largest arena that we mm. have and um you know if people they have deadlines they have time frames everybody's in and everybody's fighting and you know who's you know you know who's out but you know i think it's and great. that's the thing that the, the the opportunities are there and that's you know if if people shine in that arena they're going to get jobs right the, mm -hmm. the, the studios the recruiters they're all looking so yeah i, I love that that's awesome yeah i think so. the favorite thing for me with the rookies is kind of on that it's like yes we have a lot of you know we have the rookie awards and all these other contests going on but it's actually the the sort of stories that we're pretty poor at getting out there in terms of the people that did just 
enter a contest but didn't win or just sort of shared their work and did an article and then suddenly it's like as, as Alan said before on calls all the time with recruiters and things moving in and out and trying to get people jobs which isn't really it's not even about money it's it's just like we've got someone awesome here you need someone awesome hey talk there's a talk you know <laughs> make it work like come on so I think that's a really cool thing for me that those stories of people that sort of took a chance and got in the, the arena like you said and they're flying now it's cool yeah i love that all right last question for you uh you're starting over now what do you guys think you'd be doing because i think about this i wouldn't be in z i wouldn't be in doing zbrush if i was starting over from scratch and i tell my students this all the time i mean i have a background in sculpting but you know i was poor like and i was raised poor um so i was i was very strategic about trying to create my life and i i could see ZBrush was, you know, changing things. And that was a, you know, amazing place to be and had a great team. If I start not today, I wouldn't be doing it. What do you guys think you'd be doing? I'd be a hundred percent just in Unreal and becoming Unreal. Like that's just, <laughs> like, just <laughs> I'd just be making games. Like I'd just be making things I could interact with, whether they were good, bad or whatever. Like, I think that's the, to me, that's the most exciting part of unreal being able to kind of be immersed in something you're creating like for us it was always you know especially visual effects and animation it's like oh i built something i spent so much time and i'm even mucking around with nerves and then uvs and here's my thing in the end and it, then it goes off and a week later it's rendered and there it is to be able to be in unreal and just create a, a, a universe create something and be in there and just make a game or whatever it is that's just, um, I, I'd love that just to go full time, go hard. Sponsored by Epic Games. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. I got this little one. Hey, let me get my list of sponsors. Um, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> totally. uh, what I did. Nice. Sorry. Yeah. I'll bye. be down nice. Yeah. When you asked that question, Ryan, were you referring to like just in life itself or? Well, I mean, it could be life, but I'm thinking like, you know, as an art, as a student today, I like yeah. to make sure I give them a direction. Right. And, you know, so what should they do? And part of why I ask this actually is because the siren call of ZBrush is so strong. I see so many of my people go that way that I'm trying to warn them and I'm trying yeah. to say, you know, go here you know look at this world and i yeah. i'm with you andrew man if i was doing it today i would be unreal 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 yeah and um i i one of my old student one of my students who actually worked here he told me the job offer the amount of money he was offered i never like yeah what it's more than yeah. i make yeah, I think, you know, Unreal, you know, and, and that's the thing as well. Unreal, like a, a moving in so many industries, people are not even aware of that, right? Yeah. So it's, it's you know, there's it's not just for visual effects and games and virtual production, but they're in automotive, they're in, you know, the, every every aspect that I see with even the Adobe stuff, Unreal are there as well, like in all these new industries, right? So again, the opportunities for students that have that skill set of, you know, some sort of like Unreal tech or knowledge base and asset creation that is that is such a vital skill set right now like that that is just yeah i think um there's just going to be so many opportunities for students yeah going forward me. yeah what about but, nft um, think you might be making nfts 
Nah. I probably would have dabbled, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, that thing's crazy in its in its own self. That's a whole nother podcast that I'd totally get into. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I'd be too busy and unreal trying to figure it out. I'd have a headset on and I'd be going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what's the late last like um last thing in rookies? What do we want students to be focused on? So if they head over to rookies, like what's what's the most important thing going on? And I and I think aren't we in the arena right now? Isn't the that the yeah. competition's open? Yep. It's it's almost closing actually. So the end oh. of the month, the rookie awards closes. So you might want to prompt your students to get their entries in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, for us, it's always about, you know, building that portfolio, you know, and, and just getting students to start building that online presence. You know, we, yeah. we talk about it, you know, trying to get your confidence up early by building that portfolio, you know, like, like, you know, like, like I said earlier, we're always talking to recruiters, there's opportunities on the rookies platform that are sort of underneath the surface. So the earlier that you can start building your portfolio out, getting engaged with the community, you know, jumping on Discord where there's industry professionals that are in there just giving advice, helping you on that journey. There's a really beautiful ecosystem. And even at that top level, after they've kind of moved on for the rookies, they come back and then they're giving back again as well, right? So, um, you know, looking at the, the contest, helping trying to get, you know, portfolio pieces through contests, um, looking at examples of winners from the rookie awards to go oh that's what a, a winning entry looks like that's mm. how many projects they had you know just there's a lot of reference points on the on the rookies platform for for people that are first starting out or that are on their journey right so um yeah i just yeah, get active on the platform to start start creating engaging and um educating themselves you know cool andrew Oh, and man, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Mate, always great to catch yeah, up with you, Ryan. Thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hopefully, yeah, I, I was going to say, hopefully see you soon, but you've moved. You're in Austin, Texas now, I so am. that might be a while. Might be a while. Well, I'll come might out your way. While. I could use a little beach town. There you go. There we go. Yeah, well, there you go. We'll sell you, on, <laughs> sell you the dream. <laughs> Take care, guys. All right, see you. See you, okay. Ryan. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers. Ciao, Bye. ciao. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.